One is the loneliest number that you ever do. I don't know the other words, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm on I'm doing the tripod podcast flying solo today. No Courtney, no Brittany, just me, because everyone is tied up with clients. And I'm not mad at that. I just I just miss having my I miss having my banter with my coworkers. I guess I have to do that uh, some other time. Well, um, on this episode of Tripod, I speak with Christopher Bartley, who is a user experience designer and storyteller strategist that helps professionals elegantly show and tell what they do and why they do it. He's the founder of the Bartley Group, which positions healthcare leaders to acquire more patients, deliver engaging presentations, and build executive trust with teams. Christopher believes that there are three types of stories. The stories you tell yourself, the stories you tell your company, and the stories you tell your clients. He believes that these personal, executive, and brand stories give clarity, persuasion, and buy-in for leaders who care about their patients and organizations. We will hear from Christopher Bartley right after this. What is the loneliest number that you ever do? You are listening to Tribe Pod, a podcast series of interviews of interest to the HR community. It is hosted by Courtney Lane, produced by Jim Stroud, sponsored by Proactive Talent, and enjoyed by you. Today's episode begins right after this. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage, and what Practive Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Hello, sir, how are you? I'm doing well. How's it going, Jim? Doing well, doing well myself. Um, 
I am very curious to learn who you are and what you do, because what I hear is quite fascinating, but I want to hear from you. So tell me, who are you and what do you do? I'm Chris Bartley. Well, do I have to start with my name? I guess you guys already. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My name is Christopher Bartley, and I'm a UX designer and storytelling strategist. Now, so um, what I do is simply help people to say what they are thinking or what they're trying to communicate in a more mm. concise, persuasive, and memorable way. But then also on the other side, sometimes it's not about communicating something, but you're trying to uh, help your customers navigate better through a digital app or maybe even a physical space. So that's where user experience design comes in, which is a form of storytelling. Because if you don't really know how to map their journey, then the experience is going to suck. So all in all, I really think both sides are is about storytelling. One side is more customer journey mapping. The other side is uh, business storytelling. So, but that's what I do. I just help to create better communication and user experiences in a in a more I don't know, Jim, a more exciting way, a more compelling way. So yeah, that's what I do. Okay. Okay. UX, US user experience. Now that's that's one of those job titles that is so misunderstood. Oh. <laughs> oh. People are like, what what do you what's that? I don't <laughs> you know, if I told my if I told my grandmother, yeah, I'm a US user uh, experience designer, she's like, okay, baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if my grandmother was here right now, how would you how would you explain that to her? You know, I'd use a story. So imagine going to Starbucks and you, this might have happened to you or a building of your choice that's aesthetically on point, right? Looks mm. great. It's symmetrical. And as soon as you get to the door, you push instead of pull and you smack right into it. Right. Um, yeah. The development to me on a <laughs> there, there was no signal, right? There's no signage yeah. because apparently the, the building is too pristine, right? It's too bourgeoisie for any kind of extra yeah. designation. And yeah. the, the problem with that, that issue is they didn't think about the people who are actually going to use the door. Mm. They didn't think about the patrons. And that's where user experience comes in. It's really helping you to see the for lack of a better word, see the experience, see the process through the customer lens. And so mm. you do interviews, you do user research. There's so many different, you know, there's different methodologies of how you can collect that information, that data. Um, Jim, quite frankly, people lie. They they say that they would do something in a particular situation if they're on a website or an app or, you know, if it was a building, mm. but you really don't know the truth until you take them through the process and they're talking it out loud. And so as a user researcher, and that's more so the side that I'm on in user experience, is we capture that information, that insight, their feedback, and then we come back and say, okay, let's map this out. So yeah, um, all of that to say, UX, if I had to explain it in three words, deals with the feasibility, like, is this something that can actually be done? The mm. functionality, is it actually something that is... Um, uh, uh, functional. <laughs> I hate using words <laughs> to describe that. But then usability. Okay. Should it is it even useful, right? So, and with those three things combined, I am Captain User. <laughs> but, <I laughs> but it's also got to be pleasurable, you know. So yeah. Something could be usable and functional, but it's yeah, you know, you don't really care for it. So, uh, that's what UX is. That's how to explain it to your grandma, to my grandma too. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Now you have a um, a strong passion for storytelling. I can tell. Although this is a podcast. Uh, people are going to miss out on all the animated uh, gestures. <laughs> you mean they won't be able to see that they're sticking <laughs> They won't see your hands and fingers moving around so much. Uh, you obviously have a passion for storytelling. How did you even get into that? I mean, like, what, what's your journey from, I guess, liking stories to doing this stuff now? 
You know what? I, we're gonna take a dark path here. Oh my goodness! Okay. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time in a world. In a world. Um, so I actually came to the to this to this realization mm. not too long ago. As far as where the passion comes from, there's a particular story, a narrative of mine that still has yet to be shared in a public platform. I'm actually working on a book so that I can, you know, oh work wow, on that. and and with that kind of burden for not fully sharing my story for a few reasons, and many people suffer. Well, not suffer, but they, they deal with this. Uh, by sharing your story, sometimes you could be involuntarily sharing someone else's because we're all connected in social media. Uh, yeah, sure, right? sure, um, sure. And so, sure, sure. but you got to get to a point where you just say, my story is my story. And if you have to anonymize the other people or, you know, sure. kind of make the situations uh, a little bit more generic, then so be it. So it really came from that. How do I share my narrative in a way, or how do I own my story? Know it to the point that I can either get specific, depending on who I'm talking to, talking with, or general. But I realize other people have the same problems, not because of just being shy or you know they don't have the confidence, but mm -hmm. maybe it's a story that is still keeping them trapped. Maybe it is a story of shame. And so there's this passion that I have for helping people to reframe their narrative. So to an extent, on the dark side, it's a deflection <laughs> till, <laughs> till, till I share my, my New York Times selling, <laughs> best selling book, you know, and then I'll quit now. Um, but so on one side, it really is helping other people because I know what it feels like to have a narrative and not really being able to share it the way that you want to. Then on the other side, I just think I'm wired for this thing. <laughs> I think everything that I did, I started out as a freelance copywriter, you know, and after my internship, that's the thing that I did as far as employment. So some would call us unemployable, right? Entrepreneurs. It's just sure, we sure. can keep a job, but man, we we leave for one of few one of a few reasons. Mine was typically going to the manager and saying how they could probably do their job a little better. <laughs> okay. <It's> like, <laughs> sometimes it was helpful, and other times, like, who do you think you are? Like, this is excuse me, who are you? <laughs> you know. Um. So that is that is how I got started, and then even in a more net, a meta. Kind of perspective, I realized mm. that everything that I was doing was connected through this idea of storytelling. So I went from copywriting to asking my, you know, well, more so me, but then really them, how are you using my content? Or the mm. content that I'm creating for you, like what are you doing with it strategically? So then this kind of mm. led to marketing and mm -hmm. how does one piece of content connect to multiple pieces of content to create a bigger narrative? Because really a story is just um, a set of stories is a narrative. So there is a difference between narrative, which is a set of stories, and then a story, which is one particular unit that yep. describes the situation. Yep. So, oh, Jim, we're on the same page there, right? Yep. So, um, and that's what really marketing is, right? To help people to make a decision. But then I went from but how is this marketing used? So then I started thinking about branding, you know? And so Seth Godin, I love his example oh, or his a definition. Oh, Seth Godin fan. Yeah. Oh, Big man. Fan. Big fan. So you know his definition of what a brand is, a set of stories, memories, expectations, and relationships that causes you to choose one person, stuff, product, services, whatever, over mm -hmm. the others, time and time again. And then it went from branding to more so strategy. So I got more and more higher level thinking in this thing where if I needed to, I can craft a story, 
But if I also wanted to, I can say, well, where does this story fit in your grand scheme? So you probably know Alexander or Alex Osterwalder's business model canvas and his mm. suite of books where he, you know, helps you to figure out the nine components of your business model. Cause that's really in a sense a story too. Um, so anyway, I don't want to deviate, but all of that to say it's all interconnected, how you build your business to the stories that you tell about that business, to the stories that you tell about yourself and your product. Yeah, that's how I got started. And that's how I'm uh that's how I'm going. <laughs> I started how, how it's going. <laughs> wow. Any um any success stories, any case case studies you can share with us about uh your storytelling and how it benefited one of your clients? Yeah. So I recently this year embraced the fact that storytelling is my thing. Now, after all of that that I told you, you would have thought. <laughs> that this is something, and it really wasn't. I really was still focused on, you know, branding. Uh, even when I was working in uh, the corporate world as a behavioral, I wouldn't say behavioral specialist, but I was in the behavioral specialist field as a transition employment coordinator, helping individuals to um, chronic uh, individuals with chronic mental illness re-enter the workforce. And so I helped them with their resumes, helped to build their confidence, and also had to destigmatize these candidates for the employees or the employers to help them to realize just because they have a schizoaffective disorder doesn't mean that they're going to go postal, right? right. Um, so in a sense, that was kind of storytelling on both sides. The stories that they, the candidates, tell about themselves so that they can actually show up in confidence and get the job done and the other way around. <clears throat> so success stories uh, from corporate America, I think I have those. But for me, I would say that having recently pivoted to not just being a UX designer, but a business storytelling coach. I, that's the term I settled on. Mm. I finished this master's in healthcare, so I'm now niching down to doing this in the healthcare space, even though it works for everyone. And I had a recent client who started out, and he, he's a coach, so I had a recent client, and his, um, his original, let's say, value proposition, because a lot of it deals with, if we're getting technical, is your value proposition design. Like, sure. who are you? Who's your persona? Like, your customer segment? Um, what is the value that you're bringing? What are you helping to increase? What are you decreasing or mitigating? And his original... Um, a value prop was something along the lines of, you know, I help uh, women entrepreneurs to find their best self through leadership coaching, you know, something like that. Because um, mm -hmm. he realized that a lot of his uh, his clients, his demographics were women. So he said, Let, let's work with that, lean into that and let's move in. So we did a suite of things and I can fit them on 10 slides that we did. The first thing that we did was we focused on your customer profile. So who are you actually delving? Uh, who are you actually, I was going to say delving into, but who are you actually serving? Um, mm. Is it women or what is it that they have or those attributes that could possibly open up the demographics to not just female? So we looked at jobs to be done. Yep. What are the specific things that they need to do? We looked at the pains. I mean, you know this, right? What are the obstacles, the frustrations, the, the friction that's preventing those jobs to be done? And then the gains. What are the desires that they have? Some things that are anticipated, things that are required. If I get this job done, this has to happen. And then we did some value alignment on the other side. And what we realized is that as he's now beginning to align his products that he already has, like he has methodologies in coaching already, <clears throat> we were able to, to even come up with particular theories well, not come up with fine particular theories that he was able to align with what they were looking to do. So for instance, one of the gains for individuals who were emerging entrepreneurs, and that's who we landed on. So these are individuals who can either be in school 
but maybe in business school because they're actually wanting in the future to own a business. These are individuals who are actually owning a business, <clears throat> but they're now wanting to build generational wealth. You know, um, and then there are individuals who are in a career but want to transition. So we then from emerging entrepreneurs segmented it into three different areas. And then from there, we were able to say, OK, these three different profiles have three different desires, kind of. Some of them overlap, but there are some overarching ones for each and every one of those. Sure. And so he was able to land on a more specific value proposition. I can't remember it right now, <laughs> but it was like, you know, uh, my um, broad strokes, my coaching services help emerging entrepreneurs who um, want to, um, who are high achievers, you know, that um, can reduce, you know, help by helping them reduce, you know, time wasters. And then you can talk about what those time wasters are and then increasing uh, productivity. That's not it at all. Y'all, please don't quote me on this. <laughs> we were able to take this value proposition and mm. then insert it into an actual story. So I want you to meet John. You know, and then we were able to talk about the kind of person John was. He was a high achiever, but he was still stuck. He had some motivational challenges. And so it opened up the world to understand that you can be a high achiever and still suffer from having low motivation, depending on what's going on. And people are like, oh, wow, that's a very interesting way of thinking about that. And the way that we did this was we took his this narrative and um, I call it the seven point formula. Listen, seven point is not my, I, I can't trademark it because there are so many different methodologies in storytelling. This is one of them. So if you literally put in seven point storytelling, you'll see it. And um, so we took John's hypothetical story because it's this is a persona. We begin with the backstory. Then we start with his uh, the catalyst, the call to adventure. And then we hit the big event, the thing that triggers him to push him to the midpoint. Like, I've got to make a change. What's going on? And then um, this is where he meets uh, the, uh, the leadership coach. So my client, and after meeting the leadership coach, he then realizes, oh, wow, my problem isn't that I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by, by, by not having the right methodology for time management. I'm actually afraid of failure. And so oh, wow. because of my afraid, my fear of failure, I'm taking on a lot of things to, you know, to compensate for the fact that I don't want to drop the ball. And perhaps if I do drop the ball, at least I've got other things in the air. It's like, no, you got to focus. You got to pare down. Because once you do and the thing doesn't work out, you then have to face yourself and ask, well, am I the failure or just that thing didn't work out and I can try again? You know, mm, um, mm. all of that to say, we then hit the crisis, then the climax, which is the final showdown between typically it's you and yourself thing that's preventing you from really um, finishing. And then the denouement, right? The realization or the, um, the, uh, the acknowledgement. And he was done. We got not only a story deck out of that, but he got his specific value proposition statement where he can now confidently say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is who I'm serving. And this is how I'm helping them by increasing these things, decreasing these things. And this is how I'm different from my competitor. That's storytelling. But, wow. you know, people don't really wow. see it that way. They usually want yeah. to think of once upon a time, there was a, you know, that's <laughs> one way, but it's really a strategic asset so that you can leverage a competitive advantage over other people. I can see somebody leveraging those uh, points you, you you mentioned into an awesome pitch deck. So if somebody was pitching a startup yeah. <laughs> to a company, mm -hmm. uh, they would definitely be all over what you just said. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, to keep it so succinct, you know, because sometimes um, one of the problems that people have is, so tell me about your your business. How did you start? And man, do they just go down this long slog of just like, oh, well, people don't care about that. But if you were to keep it real pointed, 
you know, talked about where you started, the call to adventure, the thing that pushed you to just go all in or to have that idea that sparked, and then the thing that made it almost fail, if not fail totally, the crisis. And I think that's where people mess up. People mm. mess up in the crisis phase because you want to feel as if you are the superhero, as if nothing ever went wrong. And so if you, but if you tell the right crisis to the mm -hmm. right individual or investor, and then you talk about how you overcame that crisis in the climax, the final showdown, and what you may not have won, but you have the winning mindset mm -hmm. in the end, mm -hmm. then I've, you've won somebody over. I like that. And, I, and I've seen that trope in several heck movies, books, you know, is Rocky yes! Yes! <laughs> getting beat down and coming back and, and winning in the end, you know, the Avengers fighting Thanos. Yeah, <laughs> getting totally beat down, but then Listen. coming back in the end and winning. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, more specifically, Jim, um, this is a lot of it is taken from the hero's journey, and mm. so many people who don't know, the hero's journey was coined by um, Joseph Campbell, 1949. He calls mm. it the mono myth. Long story short, this guy has done uh, research uh, across uh, periods of time, different cultures, and just came to the realization that all of these stories are the same. So he hmm. he did some work to figure out what those pieces are. And the first stage is, I think in his, I believe it's the call to adventure. <laughs> like the first stage is, you know, um, now and 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 here's here's the thing. People have used the hero's journey, which has seven stage, 17 stages, and they've made it more cinematic. So our favorite movies, like Christopher Vogler, who I think his was in like 95 or 97, or maybe 2007, whatever the case, it's a more modern version of the hero's journey. Um, these were these are where like some of our more popular classic movies come from. Like my favorite movie of all time is The Matrix. It's just, <laughs> and, and you know, and yeah. the reason why yeah. the hero's journey works is because you know it's gonna come next. Mm -hmm. But you still want to experience it with still the protagonist. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so the movies that fail are the ones that, um, or you know, the weakest movies are the ones where they try to hold back the villain to the very end, and then the mask comes off. But the best ones, you can see either the villain in the beginning or the anti-hero kind of turn into the mm. villain, and you still kind of resonate. And now you're torn, like, oh my goodness, Thanos has a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, I was torn when he sat down at the end of the movie watching the sunrise. I said, man, he really did it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, but did he just <laughs> like kill half the universe? <laughs> like, half the, like, yo, I'm torn. Those are the best movies. You know, so um, all of that to say a lot of it comes from the hero's journey. It's formulaic. But if you do it right, people will come along for the ride, even if they know what the story is or how it's going to end. Wow. 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 This is, this is, this, this is interesting. Uh, when you were talking about stories, I, I initially thought this is kind of weird, I guess, growing up um, in Sunday school for so long. Uh, so many stories in the Bible about Jesus telling a story to somebody for them to, to, uh, for him to elaborate a point to them that they yeah. can understand. So whenever, I, every time I hear stories, I feel like in a way I'm sort of hearing a sermon, <laughs> but a sermon yeah. is ultimately designed to make me a better person. And I think that's a lot of what your storytelling is all about. It's about making me either a better person, making my business a little bit better, or me bringing some sort of benefit uh, to a client in some way. So uh, absolutely. 
So yeah, I feel like I uh, need to drop something in your offering plate. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cash shop is. <laughs> 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 If, if, some, <laughs> if someone wants to hear more of your sermonizing, <laughs> how can they uh, how can they best get in contact with you? Uh, the website www.bartley b a r t l e y that's my last name dot group g r o u um, p. And if they actually want to know more about the course, just put that forward slash and seven piece story, and that takes you to the coaching program. And once again, when you know your story then you can speak it with confidence. Most people have the greatest fear. By the way, it's still the second greatest fear after death, <laughs> speaking in public, yeah, right? Yeah, I've heard. Um, and the biggest reason is because you're like, I don't know what to say. So the first thing is, let's, let's dig in and figure out your content. What are you going to say? And then we start massaging and refining how should you frame it? So we use the seven-point story formula. It's easy. And then we talk about delivery. You know, where should you be emphasizing? And, you know, should you do you need this much of the backstory? And, you know, just kind of depending on your audience, what are they going to be most focused on the crisis? You know, maybe you need to spend more time on the big event, you know. So anyway, all of that to say, yeah, so they can find me there and um, everything is there. You know, I think my email is on there, too. If it's not, shame on me. But, <laughs> but well, you know what? I'm going to make it easy for um, my, for the podcast listeners. I'm going to uh, add your information in the podcast description. Okay. So uh, that'll make it easy to fill up all around. Christopher Bartlett, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you do. I see uh, your service being very valuable to the business community. Jim, it was a pleasure being on the Tribe Podcast. I really <laughs> appreciate you. Um, this was fun. This was fun. <laughs> You've been listening to Tribe Pod. And as always, we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or criticisms, feel free to email us. We can be reached at tribepod, that's T-R-I-B-E-P-O-D, at proactivetalent.com. Operators are standing by. And if you have any other song requests that you want me to sing in future episodes, <laughs> feel free to send those too.